0: Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. Virgin called Psalm 36 the song of happy service. Such a one as all may join in who bear the easy yoke of Jesus. The wicked are contrasted with the righteous, and the great Lord of devout men is heartily extolled. Thus, obedience to so good a master is indirectly insisted on, and rebellion against him is plainly condemned. John Trapp observes of this psalm, it is one of only two that has the beginning, or title, of David the servant of the Lord. And he observes one being from the younger David, this one, Psalm 36, and one from David's old age, Psalm 18. This shows, as Trapp observes, that David took more pleasure in the names of duty than of dignity. He isn't looking for his own fame, but instead for the glory of God. Psalm 36. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes, that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, Extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds, your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. As I was working through this psalm, I noted three distinct Uh, characteristics or sections in the psalm, first beginning with the warning to the wicked. This speaks about the transgression of those that is in the heart of the wicked, that there is no fear of God before their eyes. Those who do not fear God travel the path of wickedness. And notice what happens. It continues, not only the wicked acts and deeds, but inward deception. He flatters himself in his own eyes, that no iniquity can be found out or hated, notably, of course, by men, it is inescapably known by God. Then not only his inward thoughts, but the words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble. He sets himself in a way that's not good. He does not reject evil, which I find interesting. Not only is wickedness active transgression in this psalm, but its passive acceptance of evil refusing to reject things that are wicked is in itself wickedness. This is certainly a needed reminder in our day when it is easier, in a lot of cases, to just accept things that are wrong and just say, oh, well, you know, you do you. But we can't do that because that, in rejecting evil, is what we're called to do. If we're not rejecting evil, we are passively accepting it. And then David contrasts this warning with worship. He leads us to see how true worship is always based in the character of God. What do we see about God's character? It is his steadfast love, again his chesed, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his right judgments, that he saves, that his Love is precious, that we can take refuge in him, that he seeks to guard and guide and shelter by the shadow of his wings, that those who trust in him, who serve him, feast in his house. They are not outcasts, but God instead loves, protects, provides, gives light and life to those who are his. And how does this happen? Well, David says that he will continue in his steadfast love to those who know him. Therefore, knowing God is the heart of righteous blessedness. Thirdly, we see the characteristic of watchfulness. David asks for the Lord in verse 11 not to let the foot of arrogance come upon him, nor the hand of the wicked to drive him away. This is asking for God to keep him, to keep him watchful, to keep him focused on what is true and right and holy, and to abstain from the things that are Evil, And we notice, of course, that David has a fear of the Lord before his eyes, whereas the wicked do not. Spurgeon again comments, he says, uh, He had not God before his eyes in holy awe, therefore he puts himself there in holy, unholy admiration. He who makes little of God makes much of himself. They who forget adoration fall into adulation. The eyes must see something. And if they admire not God, they will flatter self. This is so important to consider. What is it that we are worshiping? What is it that we are beholding? One of the Things I love to think about when reading through the Psalms is beholding and becoming. What it is we want to become, it must be what we behold. The more we behold things that are wicked that take us away from delighting in the character and worshiping the true God, the more we are taken away from the joy and the fruit of being part of God's house. I love this story that I had read in Spurgeon's Treasury of David, and I don't think it's from Spurgeon, though. I believe it's from William Arnault. And it says that, I once heard a father tell that when he removed his family to a new residence, where the accommodation was much more ample, the substance, much more rich and varied than that to which they had previously been accustomed, his youngest son, yet a lisping infant, ran round every room, scanned every article with ecstasy, calling out in childish wonder at every new sight, Is this ours, father? And is this ours? The child did not say, yours, as I observed that the father, while he told the story, was not offended with the freedom. You could read in his glistening eye that the infant's confidence in appropriating as his own all that his father had was an important element in his satisfaction. Such, I suppose, will be the surprise and joy and appropriating confidence with which the child of our father's family will count all his own when he is removed from the comparative mean condition of things present and enters the infinite things to come. When the glories of heaven burst upon his view, he does not stand at a distance like a stranger, saying, O God, those are thine. He bounds forward to touch and taste every provision which these blessed mansions contain, exclaiming as he looks in the Father's face, Father, this and this is ours The dear child is glad of all the father's riches, and the father is gladder of his dear child. What a glorious picture that is of how we get to taste and see and share in the abundance of the house of God. But what must be had— is a true knowledge of the true God. Knowledge and uprightness are essential properties, says one commentator, of a gracious character. One is as important as the other. You worship what you know not is a sentence fatal to any hopes of salvation, and a crooked way never did point to a new heart. So there must be a sincerity of knowing the true God, worshiping Him rightly, and that knowing Him actually turns to acts of worship, of adoration, and of service. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this warning. Keep us from wickedness. Lord, help us not even to flatter ourselves in the sense of thinking that we are one way when we are not. Lord, forgive us for where we are unfaithful, inconsistent, May we seek your glory above all else. Lord, may you convict hearts that are far from you, that they may turn from their sin and find this joy and restoration that is not only a hope of future glory in heaven, but is had today, that we can experience your steadfast love, your faithfulness, your righteousness, your right judgments, and your salvation. Lord, thank you for letting us be those who take refuge in you. Lord, help me to see the delights that are found in your house, the abundance that are that is with you, that you even invite us to delight in you and your gifts. Thank you, Lord, for the good gifts that you give, such as my family and for um, just all the provisions that you have set in my life. May I use them and steward them well and steward the task that you have given me to be a servant of the Lord. There is no better joy, no better task. I praise you for this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, A Call to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calltowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from the Psalms.